following letter was found in a baking powder can wired to the handle of an old water pump uh, that was uh, the only hope of drinking water on a very long and seldom used trail across Nevada's uh, Armagosa Desert. Uh, here's what the letter said found in this can. Uh, this pump is all right as of June 1932. I put a new sucker washer into it and it ought to last five years. Uh, but the washer dries out and the pump has got to be primed. Under the white rock, I buried a bottle of water uh, out of the sun and, and corked up the end. There's enough water in it to prime the pump. But not if you drink some first. Pour about one-fourth and let her soak to wet the leather. Then pour the rest medium fast and pump like crazy. You'll get water. Uh, the pump has never run dry. Have faith. When you get watered up, fill the bottle and put it back where you found it uh, for the next fella. Signed, Desert Pete. P.S. Don't go drinking the water first. Prime the pump with it and you'll get all you can hold. Uh, it's an interesting uh, act of, of faith, of, of you know, being parched in the middle of this desert path, having a water bottle in your hand, uh, but having the faith in the letter in Desert Pete uh, to pour the water out to prime the pump so that you get uh, not only to drink uh, a, a bottle's worth to drink, but all that you can carry and, and prime it for the next person as well. An, an act of faith. Um, Hebrews 11 says that faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. Uh, this week, we're talking about uh, the second week of Advent, which is faith. Um, now, there's been uh, there's there's different interpretations of what the second candle, the second week of Advent is. Some people say it's faith, and some people say it's love, and and I, I kind of want to merge those two together. And I believe that it's actually faith in the midst of uncertainty, faith in the midst of doubt, uh, faith in the love of God, uh, faith that He does love us, faith that He is sovereign, faith that He does have a plan even in the midst of uncertainty. So it's it's faith, but also it's faith in His love, in His purposes. Um, there are repeated times in Scripture where God puts, uh, puts people to the test. Um, he could deliver immediately. He could make it really easy. Um, but instead, He uses unconventional means to force people to place their faith not in, in what's obvious, not in their own strength, not in, in the things that would seem like the normal means, but rather put, putting faith in the unconventional in order to draw us closer to Him, in order to strengthen our faith and strengthen our trust and His provision for us. And, and we see those things time and time again in Scripture. Um, his call sort of forces us sometimes. Um, it forces us to a place of decision of do I actually have faith that what God is saying, that what God is calling me to, that, that He will provide, or do I, do I trust only in myself? Do I trust only in that which makes sense, that which I can control? And God will bring us to these places in our lives where we have to come to a place of faith. Are we willing to trust Him or will we trust ourselves? Uh, one of the, the more debated and controversial issues of faith is centered in this time of year, uh, and that is in the virgin birth of Jesus. But the virgin birth was not, uh, or uh, sort of doesn't originate uh, in that stable on Christmas Day. Um, it actually comes 700 years earlier in the book of Isaiah. 
Uh, so we have Isaiah chapter 7. And in it, Isaiah is issuing a warning to the evil king Ahaz. So 700 years before Jesus is born, uh, the prophet Isaiah, uh, from you know, the book here in the Bible, in the Old Testament, is issuing a warning to, to this king who, who's in the, the, the kingly line of David, uh, but is not following God, is not following the ways of David. Uh, and, and the northern tribes, that is uh, the tribes of Israel, here known as Ephraim, which was the largest and most prominent of the northern tribes, uh, have aligned themselves with the king of Aram, uh, known as, as Rezin. And so these two forces have, have, have come together and they're threatening to attack the tribes of Judah, so uh, to attack King Ahaz. Uh, Ahaz is terrified. These two, these two northern forces are going to come down and, and wipe him out. Um, and, and Isaiah comes before him, uh, before the king, and, and says, "Don't make any, don't do anything hasty. Uh, don't make any specifically. Don't make any alliances with the king of Assyria. Trust God. God has a message for you. God is going to protect you. God has promised to protect you. Trust Him and not in Assyria." And so uh, that's what's going on here in Isaiah chapter seven. So we pick it up in verse three. And the Lord said to Isaiah, Go out to meet Ahaz, uh, you and Shear Jashub, your son at the end of the conduit of the upper pool of the highway to the washer's field, and say to him, Be careful, be quiet, do not fear, and do not let your heart be faint because of these two smoldering stumps of firebrands at the fierce anger of Rezin uh, and Syria and the son of Ramalia, because Syria with Ephraim and the son of Ramalia has devised evil against you, saying, Let us go up against Judah and terrify it, and let us conquer it for ourselves and set up the son of Tabal as king in the midst of it. So, again, uh, we have these two forces in the north coming down, threatening to conquer Judah. Uh, and Isaiah is saying to the king, Don't worry, don't fear. Thus says the Lord God, it shall not stand and it shall not come to pass. For the head of Syria is Damascus and the head of Damascus is Rezin. And within 65 years, Ephraim will be shattered from being a people. And the head of Ephraim is Samaria and the head of Samaria is the son of Ramalia. If you are not firm in faith, you will not be firm at all. Um, Isaiah is, is giving a prophecy that within 65 years, uh, the northern tribes of Israel will fall. They won't even be a people anymore. Uh, and he says they're, they're just run by a king. They're not following God. Uh, they're just a, a collection of people trusting in themselves and their own strength, their own diplomacy. Um, instead, place your faith in God. Trust His word that they will fall and you will stand. Verse 10, again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz, Ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be deep as Sheol or as high as heaven. Uh, and so Isaiah says, listen, you can trust God, even put him to the test, ask for a sign, you name it, as high as you want, as, as deep as you want, as big as you want, make it big. Ask God for a test to prove that you can trust, you can have faith in his word and his promise here. But Ahaz said, I will not ask and I will not put the Lord to the test. And he said, hear then, O house of David, is it too little for you to weary men that you uh, weary my God also? Um, really, Ahaz has no interest in hearing from God. He doesn't care. He, he doesn't care about this test. He doesn't believe. And, and in so doing, he is in fact wearying God and putting God to the test by not even answering Isaiah. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. So Isaiah says, listen, even though you're not asking, here's what God says the sign's going to be. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Uh, the, the word virgin there, 
is actually the word uh, Alma, which means uh, someone, a daughter who is pure of marriageable age, uh, a maiden, uh, someone who, 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 who is pure and, and spotless. And so virgin is, is definitely implied. The, it's not a direct translation, but you know, if I look at uh, my daughter when she turns 14, if I call her pure and spotless uh, and, and joy, uh, a joy as a dad, and that's who she is in her character, um, that her virginity is certainly uh, an implication and almost a mandated part of that as a 13 or 14 year old uh, pure girl, right? And so, so that's what's going on here with, with this, uh, with the word. Uh, and then uh, of this Emmanuel, he shall eat the curds uh, and the honey uh, when he knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good. For before the boy knows how to refuse evil and choose the good, the land whose two kings you dread will be deserted. The Lord will bring upon you and upon your people and your father's house such days that have not come since the day that Ephraim departed from Judah the king of Assyria. Uh, so a little confusing because he's not actually talking about Jesus specifically here. Isaiah is saying that the prophecy that I'm giving you is that there is a virgin, so there is a pure young woman who will get married and will have a son. Uh, and by the time that son is old enough to understand good and evil, so by the time he has the ability to comprehend uh, sort of what is good and what is not, so age of two is really what Isaiah is saying. Before that, a child who's not yet born uh, turns two, uh, then the northern northern tribes will fall. Right? That that this this union will disband, uh, and, and so he. He's really laying out a very practical prophecy saying, listen, just wait three years. Give it three years. Uh, the, uh, a woman out there who's a virgin will give birth to a son. His name will be Emmanuel, which isn't all that uncommon of a name. Uh, it means God with us. Uh, and, and before he turns two and can recognize good from evil, there will be there'll be tragedy strike. Because um, when it says here, eat the curd, um, that implies uh, in that day, the understanding was that there wouldn't be any young livestock to be drinking uh, the milk, and so there'd be an abundance of milk, and it would it would curdle, it would turn to curd. And so uh, it, it might sound like a, a, a bountiful thing, but it's actually talking about um, the desperation, uh, that there's there's a lack of animals, uh, that there's too much milk because there aren't animals to take it. Uh, and and the, the wild honey thing, the, it means that the, the bees weren't domesticated, and so it means that the fields would be deserted, there'd be wildflowers, there'd be Excess, uh, excessive amount of bees, uh, and so there'd be an excessive amount of honey. That wasn't necessarily a good image either. Uh, the bad things are going to happen. And then it's a future warning about Assyria, and that Assyria will come in and, and crush and, uh, and destroy. And so, um, so while we look at this in, in talking about the virgin birth and talking about Jesus, um, Isaiah is not writing specifically in his mind thinking about Jesus, thinking about what happens on Christmas morning. He's got this direct prophecy given by God. And, and for Isaiah, it probably makes no sense. Like there's so many better signs. What is this one? Why am I saying that a virgin will give birth and then before he turns two, these things will come to pass and, and there'll be desperation? Um, there's got to be a better sign. But he writes it faithfully anyway, trusting in faith that God knows what he's doing, even though I don't understand it, it seems strange to me. Uh, and then sure enough, we see this take place over the next couple of years. Uh, there, there is famine and, and there, there, there's, there's some bad stuff that takes place in the north. And so, so the prophecies come true. But Isaiah is running a deeper meaning because Matthew looks back on this uh, in his gospel in Matthew 1.23. And he sees God's providential hand at work in this of a virgin giving birth to his son, God with us, Emmanuel. And he sees that God's providence is at work there and that even though Isaiah doesn't realize that he's setting the stage for Jesus, that there's a deeper meaning to this prophecy uh, that's going on. Isaiah has the faith to write what God has told him to. 
even though it seems very odd to him, sure. Um, but God's hand is, is in it in ways that Isaiah can't even imagine at this point in time. Um, the virgin birth for us is, is one of those similar issues of faith that, that, that it makes no sense to us in some ways. Like, why would God choose to do this? And, and there's simply a call to, to place our faith, to obey, to listen, to trust Him, even in the odd, even in the strange. Um, theologically, we understand the virgin birth needed to take place so that Jesus Himself would be free from the, the hereditary sin, humanity's sin that, that's passed through, that, that He's no longer uh, in the slavery to sin that we all, all have, that Jesus is free from that so that he is both fully God and fully human set free from the curse so that he can be our deliverer the one who finally pays the price for sin and death and so theologically this has to happen and we understand it uh, to be that way but um, but there's an element of faith involved here and trusting in this unexpected and, and for Mary as well uh, there is a, a huge amount of faith that she needs to walk into uh, that God is going to protect, that God is going to deliver, that God is going to do what He says He's going to do, even though for her it meant shame and, and ostracization. Uh, and the angel didn't show up and tell her neighbors what was happening. Uh, there would be whispers and, and rumors spreading everywhere and people assuming what's happened, even though she's, paid, she's telling a very different story and she'd be mocked for that and cast aside in that society. And so she's walking by faith in these things as well. Ahaz did indeed cut a deal with Assyria. Uh, we see in 2 Kings 16, um, and it goes really poorly for him. Uh, Assyria and then Babylon. He trusts in his own abilities uh, of, of uh, diplomacy and um, his own strength as a military leader. He doesn't trust in God. Uh, and so for us, it's a reminder, this virgin birth and the prophecy we see here in, in Isaiah's faithfulness of writing this and um, and Ahaz's inability to have faith, his reluctance, in Mary's faith, in this promise, and also for this very strange idea, concept of, of the, the miraculous virgin birth. Um, for us, again, it's, it's a call of are we willing to, to trust God even when it doesn't make sense? Are we willing to place our faith in Him even though it seems like there's other more obvious options? And sometimes He calls us, I think, to take steps of faith simply because He wants us to walk by faith and not by sight and trusting that He can do what only He can do and that not everything will make sense to us. And so uh, it's a call for us this week uh, to be people of faith, not walking by just what we see or understand, but again, as it says in Isaiah, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Let's together uh, walk by faith in this uncertain season, trusting that God knows what He's doing, trusting that God uses unexpected people and unexpected methods in strange times that aren't our own. Um, we have faith that God is doing what God is doing for a purpose. Let's pray. God, we thank you that, uh, that you are trustworthy and that you call us into faith so that we can see and trust you're so much bigger and so much better than anything we can do on our own. Give us faith when our faith is weak. We pray all this in your mighty name. Amen. Know that we, uh, we're with you and we're for you this week as we go into Christmas. We love you. Um, let us know if there's anything that we can do to help. Take care.